Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello, and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. This is Lucinda Carney, your host, and this is a specially recorded episode that I hope can be used by HR managers and individuals to make the best of this challenging workplace situation. So the topic I'm going to focus on here is how we can work effectively at home and more than that, how we can carry out virtual performance management. How can managers get the best of people at home? And of course, those of you with an HR hat on, you may also have been moved to home or how can you give people the tools and information to be effective as new working practices are being dictated to us? So obviously, I hope that as many of our listeners as possible are keeping safe and well, and I'm going to get to the point as I usually do. So I'm going to structure this podcast into two sections. The first one is 10 tips for effective homeworking. So that's going to be applicable to anybody. And the second section is actually how can you manage people? So five tips for managers who have actually got to manage their team virtually and maybe don't have the experience to do that. So first of all, this is applicable to any of us. How can we be really effective as a home worker? My first tip is about the designated workspace. I realise that we may have to make the best of our circumstances. Not everybody has a designated desk, for example. And I look at this in, in two ways. The first point is about where you work and the consequences of that. And my second point is getting the right kit, if possible, to ensure that you your well-being at work. So if you can, allocate yourself a designated workspace which isn't used for other purposes. So, you know, in the middle of the kitchen or the dining room, you may have to do that. Maybe that has to become a study. But if at all possible, identify a space like a spare bedroom uh, that you can designate as your office. Now, the reason it's a good idea to have a designated workspace is the same logic that people say uh, you should generally use your bedroom for just sleeping in if you have difficulties for sleeping. It's so that you can compartmentalise and escape from it when you move out of the office, because that workspace is going to become your virtual office, whether you repurpose a garage or a playroom or whatever it might be. In an ideal world, find a space that's yours, that you can leave your computer and everything set up at, and you can walk away from. Obviously, there are practicalities. More people are going to have their family around them as well when working. So if you can have it away from the general hubbub of everyday life, that is actually going to help you be more effective and less stressed. So the purpose is and identifying something where you have a place that you know is your workspace and you can sit down and be effective in it straight away. Now, the follow on point from that is, if at all possible, get the right kit. Now, depending on your organisation or your home circumstances, that may or may not be possible for you to go out and buy a desk. We'll probably have a run on desks as opposed to a new role imminently. But a dressing table or a kitchen table 
or sitting on the sofa is really not ideal. And that is really from a point of view of your well-being. I think one of the most important things to do is get a proper chair or key is making sure that you're, when you're looking at your computer, if you're working on a laptop and you are permanently on a, a, a table and chairs, let's say your kitchen or dining room table, quite often you find that it makes your shoulders hunch up and you are looking down. Now, speaking as someone, a number of times that I've ended up having to go to the sports physio because I have completely cricked my neck through doing that and your your hands on the mouse and you're basically, your posture is all wrong. So invest in yourself if, if your employer can't sort, sort it out, but invest in yourself, I would suggest to make sure you've got a proper desk chair and a monitor if possible so that you have got the right alignment. Therefore, you're looking straight forward at your screen as opposed to hunched up. Really important for your well-being because many of us are going to be working from home longer term and that is just good practice. But if you do find yourself getting neck or shoulder pain, that is probably why. And you do need to move around, which is one of my other points that we'll talk about. My third point is create new routines or routines. So that might be some people talk about walking to the office. It's very old school, but the people putting on their suit and tie and going to the home office. I think we've moved beyond that. Uh, However, I would also recommend that you do get up, have a shower. Don't sit down at your desk in your pyjamas. One of the main reasons I say that is you might well then get sucked in and you find it's 11 o'clock, you're still in your pyjamas or you switch on your webcam and your hair's all over the place and uh, and it's all evident. You answer the door to the postman and you're in your pyjamas. It's more about making sure you feel fit for work. But your new school or school uniform, new work uniform, you want comfy stuff. Uh, personally, I quite often put my gym stuff on because uh, I feel it's quite important to get out and do some exercise. And if I've got my gym stuff on, then I might be more likely to do it. It's also dead comfy to sit around in. So talking about making sure you set new routines and uh, those routines don't have to be just uh, in terms of your uh, the way, things you wear and obviously getting up and having breakfast and whether you walk to your metaphorical office, but also plan in exercise. Set yourself goals to, if possible, go outside, um, get some fresh air and and actually move around a bit. Uh, that supports the whole idea of you haven't got a good desk set up. You do need to make sure that you're keeping yourself moving, your shoulders moving and your um, your body moving, actually your blood pumping. So that is worth scheduling into your day. If you're at home, naturally, often if you're in an office, you might get up and go to the coffee machine. You might get up and talk to people, go to meetings. Obviously, if you've got a commute, you're actually walking parts of the commute or to a station or otherwise. So there's often more activity built into your day. Whereas if you don't have to travel anywhere to go to homework, then think about how you can build that activity into your day. On top of that, Think about how you can actually up that activity a bit because you're not having to spend time commuting. What's the upside of this? Could you fit in a virtual yoga class or a longer dog walk? So think about how you can structure those and schedule those into your day because quite often you'll find that you just get buried and you can, if, you get, if you're someone who gets into the flow of work, you could look up from your computer after a number of hours and realise you actually haven't moved. So Therefore, build those in, schedule those breaks for you to keep you fit and well and keep that balance. So we've talked about designated space to work, having the right kit as much as possible in terms of monitors and chairs. Uh, We talked about getting the right routines and we talked about including in those routines, moving around, stretching, scheduling in stuff for well-being. Next, it's about looking at how we can be fully effective. 
So focus is one of the main things if you're not used to working from home. It is something where often um, in the office you've got meetings that maybe are, are set into your day and you may have meetings which are virtual meetings set in at home. It's definitely worth doing that and really putting some time into that planning. Schedule in a variety of activities and product or project work that will allow you to vary your day. Make sure you don't sit in email. That's one of the least effective ways of operating. So think if you've got this project, this could actually be one of the greatest opportunities to get some of those big projects done where you don't get a chance to do them in the office because you're in meetings um, or there's lots of interruptions or something else that's noisy. You have got this chance now to to schedule in blocks of 90 to 120 minutes of really deep focusing. You can then take a break and switch focus after that. Now, I'm not suggesting that you will necessarily be able to focus for 90 to 120 minutes. Um, Lots of us don't manage to do that. Uh, You know, you can still have small blocks of time within that or little breaks alongside that. But that's a sort of an ideal period of time. I call it like a big rock time. If you've listened to Seven Habits, where you might have big rocks of project focus, you go, I'm going to write that presentation um, in that period of time, or I'm going to do that planning for uh, a training course uh, in that block of time. It's a useful um, quantity of time to get something done. So planning your your day is important. So that gives you those targets or those goals, which are not tactical. They're really doing some of the important stuff that quite often we don't have time to do. So you can, I believe, be more productive in these circumstances when you're working from home, as long as you know what it is that you need to achieve and make sure that you're, you're focusing on that. Following on from that, classic planning and closure time management techniques are also really useful. So I describe that as once you've achieved what you hopefully wanted to achieve in that day, close up at your desk at whatever time you decide is the end of the day and close up by writing tomorrow's to-do list and scheduling tomorrow. So planning in those blocks of time for tomorrow and also just seeing what you've achieved and crossing up what you have and haven't done but just making sure that everything so you can sleep well you can rest you know something's not hanging over you you've got it documented ready to go which means when you come in back to our creating new routines tomorrow you can rise sit at your desk and you're ready to go because you know what it is that you're going to do at nine o'clock or whatever time you sit down so we've now talked about classic ways of focusing and planning now it is interesting because there are fewer interruptions in principle in that you if you're working at home if you're able to find yourself the right space and you're not surrounded by other other people. Um, and obviously there are going to be pros and cons to that if you've got children interrupting you or various things. Uh, but often the thing that interrupts us the most is our habitual picking up of our phones. And at the moment where there's lots of stuff on the media, it's quite easy for us to sucked into clicking down, re-scrolling, you know, reopening the news and seeing what's happened next or getting sucked into something on social media. Now, social media is a great way maybe to have a bit of downtime. You might want to jump into Facebook or Twitter for five minutes um, when you just want a little bit of a lift up. However, it's also a huge time thief. So be conscious that if you are deciding, if you're trying to work, let's say within that 90 to 120 minute of time and get something done and you go, oh, I'm just going to pick my phone up for five minutes break. Uh, make sure that maybe you have a timer on your desk or something so that you actually only break for five minutes and you don't lose half an hour scrolling through something that you know is just more of the same. 
So be disciplined about social media. And there's a study I saw recently where actually almost having your de- your, your phone invis- uh, visible to you, I actually put mine under my notebook so that it's not so obviously there for me to pick up. It's almost subliminally, you feel like you want to pick it up. Now, you can choose on other social media. So I leave Skype on because that's my collaboration social. Uh, so that is with the people that I work with. So whatever you, you use, you might use Teams or one of the other tools um, or Slack. That is slightly different. You could choose to maybe when you're working on something, put yourself on do not disturb and then turn it off again. Or you can leave it on. That's your choice as to what extent you feel it's likely to disturb you. But do think about limiting the interruptions. And I'm not saying stopping them because actually we will say we definitely want to have social interaction, but make sure that they don't become time thieves and take your time away from you when you're trying to focus and dominate. Now, following on from this, you know, if you're feeling nervous, there's stuff going on in the background, try and choose to focus on what you can focus on. And all of these we're talking about here, everything here is within your control. So again, maybe uh, if you're feeling anxious about something, focusing on what can you influence about any given situation and being effective here and think how satisfied you might be of having a really great, you know, day, effective day at work and actually getting an hour's exercise in that you wouldn't normally manage or finishing early so you can cook dinner or take part in a hobby or um, take your family out or whatever is right right for you. Go and paint that garage wall. Um, you know, because you are at home, you there's no reason why you have to be working solidly 9 till 5.30. And I hope that your managers will support that. It might be that you're going to do, I don't know, six or seven really effective hours between the hours of 7.30 and seven o'clock at night. Presenteeism isn't going to work in this environment. What we need is people who know what's expected of them. They're really productive, but they're able to achieve balance um, and flexibility is the key there. So control what you can control in this environment and think about what you can do to to be really effective so you're not worrying about um, about things and, uh, and being in control there. Now that means in which case don't just respond to people through email make sure you do get chance to talk to people so where there's an opportunity to have a chat with some jump on skype or whatever your social medium um, that you use and have a conversation collaborate with people over video audio telephone have those chats with people get things done so there's no reason why given the technology that's available you can't talk to people and therefore you can avoid this ping-ponging of emails People appear to be at the moment now that they're at home actually more available to speak than they quite often are um, during the working week when you're in an office because they're not in so many meetings. So you have got that chance to actually build that verbal relationship with people. And following on from that, see how within your teams you can also have that social conversation. So there's your, your conversation, which is purposeful, but it's also about having a social conversation. You know, is it possible to have a, a chilled out coffee machine strand on one of your work groups where you can talk to people, ask people how they're going, what successes they've achieved, you know, how are they been going, what plants and pets have they got in the background, you know, they're, they're working office companions in the new work-based office, is the cat sitting on their knee and pestering them. And just bring in the social element that comes in naturally in an office and the human element so that people don't feel isolated. Depending on their home circumstances, you know, it, is it has someone got a uh, you know, a lampshade that they're, that they're talking to because they might actually be going stir crazy if they live on their own. So how can you make sure that there's a, a social aspect to the conversation 
um, with the people that you work with and you collaborate with as a team as well. So it's almost you need to reach out more because people are remote, uh, little and often, but equally having that structure in terms of your working day. So those would be the 10 tips that I feel we could all bear in mind in terms of effective working at home. So trying to get a designated place that we consider to be our workplace. Make sure we've got kit that's going to allow us to be productive, proper monitor and chair. Create routines, be comfortable, um, but create routines that are not just about working. Because actually it's by getting that external stuff that's going to allow you to be fresh enough to keep on focusing. With that in mind, however, make sure you do plan what you're going to do. Plan big rocks in, close things down at the end of the day, plan at the end of the day for tomorrow. Ensure that you are getting a chance to move around. Then think about managing your environment, managing interruptions in social media. Try to uh, keep a lid on anxiety, so control what you can control. Choose the right attitude um, in terms of, of things and control the information that's coming into you. When you're on email, maybe jump out of email, choose to pick up the phone or use a collaboration technology instead and be prepared to have a bit more social chit chat via collaboration technology than you would do normally to make sure that people feel connected. Even if you don't feel you need it, you might find the other people do. So we're still human and we've got to keep that going. So those are 10 tips, lots of common sense there. Um, that hopefully uh, there's something of, of interest to you and something that perhaps you can pass on to others who perhaps don't know quite how to do this are less familiar with the homeworking. I'm now going to move on to five tips for managers. Uh, if you're managing people remotely, how can you put some structure around it to help those, particularly those who aren't used to it? So if you've got a team and they're working remotely, it's about creating that sense of structure and normality, particularly if they're not used to it. So where you've got an internet connection and a computer or smartphone, you know you can collaborate over technology. Everyone should have these things set up now. We'll be discovering them if they didn't have them before. So what I'd say is a real key aspect is whatever tools or, or management of performance techniques or processes that you had in place in the workplace you need to put those in place remotely. It's, it, and if you actually you didn't have them in place in the workplace, now's the time to do it. So I'd say it's really important to carry out virtual one-to-ones. And if you are moving from something which, if this is a big change to you, so it's not normal for people to be working at home, then I would say you should be doing them even weekly. So a one-to-one is always a good thing to do. And it should have the balance between focusing on the task, but also focusing on the individual. I believe that in these times, which are a bit peculiar, um, focusing on the individual first and foremost, you could argue is always good practice, but it's particularly important at the moment to make sure that the person knows that you're bothered about them. So these early one-to-ones should be, have they got a proper desk set up? How is their working environment? Are they, do they feel trusted to be able to manage their time to be effective uh, and but not do presenteeism at the desk sort of thing. So they feel that you are interested in how they are dealing with this quick change. So one of the, the whole point of that the virtual one-to-one is I'd say you need to be scheduling in maybe in a half hour one-to-one with each member of your team over technology, finding out how they're doing, finding out how they're coping, finding out how they are structuring the day. So the techniques that we've talked about above, which individuals can use, find out which of those they're using. Are they, are they, planning things effectively, they're closing things down. 
Have they, um, are they taking regular breaks? Make it okay for them to do that. Once you've got that established, what you want to do is make sure that people know what they need to focus on. So working remotely can remove loads of distractions, but it's very easy for us also to uh, lose focus as there's lots of noise out there that can distract us. So make sure to break objectives down. So those objectives that may have been established uh, and in place as business as usual, maybe take a look at them and see, are they still important? Are they more important? Ensure that the individual knows what is key and ensure that they have got milestones that they can be working on daily and weekly. Not micromanagement, but I think it's about focusing people and gaining their commitment about what they are working on. This is a time for really helping people to have clarity and focus. So asking what they can do or what's the most important thing or collaborating with them to agree what the priorities are right now. That will help them plan those 90 to 120 blocks of time and be productive without just sort of doing the little stuff. Um, So this is because people have got less interruptions, a great opportunity to do some of the bigger projects that get sidelined during the busy working week um, when we're in an office. But only if people know those are important and perhaps understand how to attack them. So you'd need to coach remotely and focus people on what those short term goals, tasks, targets are. The other thing I would really recommend doing as a manager is promote self-development in the individual. So tell them to take some time. If they were to take an hour a day reading up on something that's relevant, you could share it during a collaboration team meeting so they could share what they found which is relevant or doing an online training course. That is going to be good for their development And there's going to be more virtual stuff. I bet there's loads of virtual stuff that's coming that people will be offering. So encouraging them to take advantage of some of that so they have the time to do self-development, which may not have been a priority previously, and they can capture that as, as CPD. So promote that. Use this as an opportunity for people to feel that they are growing. Just don't just say, go and spend half an hour developing yourself Find out when you do the one to one, what did they learn? What was valuable? What else do they want to? How will they apply it? Um, How else might they develop? So just make sure it's used effectively. My fourth point is to go out of your way to spot people doing things well. Give them recognition. This is good practice. All of these are good practice normally. I'd say it's even more important when people are out of sight. You'll be seeing someone being productive to live. Someone's just developed a great uh, blog or infographic. Fantastic. Recognise that. If you have systems that you can do that, then formalise it through your systems even better. But making sure that you are praising people and spotting those things that they're doing well. And I'm saying spotting, which is a very visual word, but you can spot them through things people are writing and saying. And then just make sure that you are recognising and making that person feel valued. And then my fifth point is whole virtual team meetings. Now, You make sure that you bring people together, have shared goals, um, use it as an opportunity to set and share progress against team goals and objectives, but also allow people to have those sort of informal fun chats as well. Um, So you have things where they might be having these people having dropping cafes or light touch or everyone needs to use a word about, you know, how their week's been or how helpful their cat was. Hold those virtual team meetings 
Um, and possibly maybe at the start and end of the week, whatever the right frequency is. Some people might do it at the start and end of the day. Just make sure they happen and you pull people together more than probably you'd feel it's necessary to do if you were all sitting together virtually and you can just ask somebody. So it's an opportunity actually for really good quality, essential people management. If you have systems, use the systems because it gives it a great structure and a visibility. Uh, If you don't, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that you think about these aspects because this is a difference between people, A, feeling, um, I suppose, stranded and, and unsupported or them feeling like they're just going to sit on the sofa and do nothing or they're going to fret and worry and people being actually more productive to such an extent this might this might change the way we work forever we may actually find that we are so much more productive with more home working than we are in offices a lot of unnecessary activities probably happen when we're office based that don't need to happen but the key is we need to give people the clarity focus skills and discipline to be effective in a home working environment and also, I guess, the freedom to make their own choices in terms of managing things. So the reality is these are unprecedented times and continued productivity, focus and well-being of our people's key. We need to be resilient, which is going to be about supporting people and bringing the best out in each other. So good quality people and performance management processes are going to be key to this. It's new times. It can be an opportunity in many ways for us to find new ways of working and getting the best out of people through better self-management and also embedding good quality people and performance management. So hopefully you found that episode of interest. Please do spread the word if you do, um, pass it on to colleagues, other managers, uh, people who can find it of use. It's suitable really for anybody, I think. I hope you'd agree. The other thing you might find of of use is we've developed some handouts, things like uh, manager's guides and flyers and um, infographics and things. So if you want anything like that, that you want to download and use within your organisation, all of those resources, the links as ever will be in the show notes. The easiest way to get to those is by going to the website hruprising.com and that will give you links as to where you can go to download those. Finally, introducing next week's episode, it actually follows on quite effectively. It's all about resilience and I'm quite excited because I've got professional rugby player, Charlie Hodgson, uh, who's coming to talk to me all about how we can be more resilient. And it's looking at that at the in the workplace, obviously, but also as an individual, it's personally applicable too. So wishing everybody well. The upside is there's plenty of time to listen to podcasts when you're at home. And uh, we look forward to life returning to normal in the not too distant future. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.